back that far. And if it was my, why are you laughing? <laughs> okay. Yeah, hard to go back that far. If I was my sophomore year, junior year, but I got a job at a greenhouse, and uh, it was good work for a teenager. Uh, it was hard work. We, uh, you think I, I picture a greenhouse, and my my wrist kind of wants to do that, but it was hard work. I mean, we did a lot of rototilling. We did a lot of he, we would steam every time a crop was finished. We we'd cut it down. We'd rototill. We'd steam it to sterilize it, and then you'd level it out and replant. And, and there were several of these buildings. We were constantly moving, constantly doing this work. It was great work for a teenager. And the boss liked to hire teenagers because he could pay us not a whole lot. And, and I had that job for about three years. I was actually going to community college. And my boss decides it's about time to retire. He was about 70 years old. And I'd been there for, for about three years. And it was as long as, because he hired teenagers. He didn't have any adult employees. I'd been pretty much his longest term employee in a long, long time. And he tried to recruit me to take over, which meant uh, I would move into the house next door to the greenhouse, which had the alarm hooked up to the boiler. So if in the winter it, you know, something didn't break, basically I would take on the responsibilities of all those things. And I ran from the offer. I I've absolutely in no way was interested in that offer. For me, that was a job. It was not my life. It was not something I envisioned myself doing for life. It was not something I cared about. In all that time, ask me today if I have a green thumb, <laughs> because I have a black thumb, if you understand the difference there. Uh, it was not, I was not the kind of person you want to take that kind of responsibility uh, for a job like that, because I didn't care about it. I worked for a paycheck. That's why I had that job. It's why I did it. Uh, and and uh, the hours were great for someone who needed part-time work. It was just perfect for everything I did. But it was not something that, that I cared about from anything within me. When we look at today's passage, we find what Jesus is looking for. And, and actually, not just so much what he's looking for, but what we should be looking for. This passage is actually about prayer. The, the request that came in, this is still working out of the summer sermon suggestions, was, was uh, uh, the, the, to preach on the passage, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I thought, wow, that's really good. Uh, especially this time of year when we start looking forward to uh, the fall kickoff of, of different ministries. And this short passage, let, let me reread. We had this for our scripture reading. Let me reread this. <clears throat> and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And we find the application of this passage before we ever start is to pray. Is to pray. Uh, the, and, and, and this short little passage is, is just rich with powerful sayings. Sheep without a shepherd. He looked out and he felt, felt compassion because he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. That is a powerful image. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that is impactful. And then finally, seek the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers. And so I basically broke that down into to three points of a sermon. And, and each one has a, a specific aspect of ministry. with The heart for ministry, the vision for ministry, the desire for effective ministry. 
Uh, and the application, like I said, is simple. It's pray. But it's not the request to pray is not a request we take lightly. So first, verse 36, like sheep without a shepherd. We find the heart for ministry there. You know, it is so easy to be frustrated with sinners. Isn't it, isn't it easy to be frustrated with sinners? Everywhere you go, they're sinning. <laughs> you know, they're doing wrong things. They use bad language. They dress badly. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying dirty jeans. Yesterday I, we went into Spokane and I'd been doing some work and I was kind of grungy. And I looked at Joan and I said, should I dress, dress a little better? She says, that's just you. <laughs> so, so I was dressed badly if you're saying dressing nice, but I wasn't dressed provocatively. You know, I wasn't dressed revealingly. You know, and if I was, it's like, that's wrong in more ways. <laughs> but, but, you know, they do that. They disagree on the very basics of right and wrong. Uh, they, they oppose you on social issues. If you start to take a stand on abortion, not only do they oppose you, but they somehow make you out to be the bad guy. If you tar- start to take a stand on homosexuality, not only do they oppose you, but they make you out to be the bad guy. If you ta- try to take a stand on sex education, not only do, do they oppose you, they make you out to be the bad guy. And, and, and we can read Romans. You know, last week we read Romans chapter 1. And speaking of impactful statements, Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32, uh, and I'm going to read this, and, and think about how it impacts you emotionally when you read these, these verses, or hear these verses read. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. For this reason... God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They who were filled with all, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, imitators of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Get, be honest. Do you sometimes get angry with sinners when you read that passage? You know, as I read it, it's hard for my voice not to become forceful, right? Uh, condemning the, the evil sinners, to jump on them, to be angry and all those things. It is easy to be frustrated with sinners. But Jesus, seeing sinners, had compassion. Yeah, he, he, he would read that same thing, and instead of being filled with anger at these sinners for being sinful, he is confel- filled with compassion as he sees their need. And it's, it's so interesting because who did he get angry with? The Pharisees, the religious leaders who were always angry with sinners. Those are the ones that made Jesus angry. They, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. And that is a heart-moving phrase. If only... They had someone to care for them. If only they had someone to lead them, to protect them, to feed them, to guide them. If only they had that. They are sheep without a shepherd. They don't have anyone giving them the care that they need. And, 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 and never mind that they, these same people rejected him as being a shepherd. I mean, he would have gladly been their shepherd. They rejected him for that. That did not change his heart. 
It did not change his heart of compassion for these people. He knew he was there to be exactly what they needed uh, and exactly what he felt bad, exactly what he felt bad that they didn't have. That's what he was there to be. And they rejected him. They wouldn't have it. And he still felt bad for them. Picture this. Picture this. I know this might actually sound appealing right now. A cold, slushy day. <laughs> right now, wouldn't it be fun to step outside and feel cold? I mean, it just sounds nice to me. But, but a cold, you know, and I picked slushy. I thought, at first I put a cold winter day, you know. And, but I thought, you know, slushy is worse than really cold. You know, when it's, when it's 34 and it has snowed, and the snow is all wet and slushy. And that is, to my mind, the, I'd rather have, have zero, you know, than 34. Uh, and, and, uh, and so picture that day. It's, it's a cold, slushy day, and you're driving down the highway, and you know, it has snowed, and the snow is melting, and there's a car on the side of the road, and the blinkers are flashing, and there's a man walking away from the car. And you pull over, because you're a nice guy, you pull over and say, hey, buddy, would you like a ride? And he says, no, you know, I'm more of a Chevy guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he declines your help. You can walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and, and, then, and then as you're driving off, you say, okay, I tried. As you're driving off, you see another guy come by, and his tire hits a pile of slush. <laughs> Just right that it absolutely saturates this guy. Dion, what's in your mind? <laughs> Are you going, yeah, serves you right? Or are you saying, oh, that poor guy, I wish I could have helped him. Because guess which one Jesus would have done. <laughs> That's, that's it. I mean, this is what, because I know, I, I picked that illustration because I know at that point I'm going, serves you right. I gave you your chance. You, you're paying, you know, you, you, had, you had your chance, you blew it. Jesus doesn't see it that way. He looks at us, he continues feeling bad. And, and there are many out there without Christ who have willingly chosen to be without a shepherd. It, but that is irrelevant to the subject that we're talking about. That is irrelevant to the compassion we're supposed to have. Just because someone has rejected Christ does not mean we should not have compassion on them. We should have compassion on them. It changes nothing. They are still sheep without a shepherd. And so when I talk about the first, you know, this is going to be a, 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 the apl ap application for this message is prayer. First message is to pray for yourself that you will have that heart of compassion, not the heart that says, serves you right, you sinner. Because it is so easy and so natural to have that heart and say, you deserve what you're getting. When it comes to you, you know, so much the better. That is, that is not the attitude we are to have. Jesus started out this passage by, by demonstrating, not, not so much talking about, you know, uh, pray for, he doesn't say pray for your heart, but he demonstrates the heart we are to have, and that's what motivates him to say what he's about to say. This starts with a heart of compassion, and we are to have that heart of compassion. And from that point, we move on to the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And again, it's very timely uh, be, be, because we are in the middle of harvest. Uh, and, and this is the vision for ministry. And, and it's, it's a warning against complacency. Uh, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Complacency in ministry is the idea that I'm doing my part so I am satisfied. 
And, and, and you know, when I described that job I had as a teenager, I was very satisfied to be doing my part. One of the reasons I like working as the, I, I like working for somebody, is because they have to be the responsible one, and they have to plan ahead, and they have to care, and all I have to do is do my job. <laughs> it is it is so refreshing when you have a job like pastor to do a job where all you have to do is do your job. It is, it is so, so much easier, so much nicer. Uh, but in ministry, we are not supposed to have that kind of an attitude, the idea that I'm doing my share, and, and that's all that concerns me. There's a, a county worker's joke. How many remember Jay, uh, uh, I can't even think of Jay's last name, Milner, Miller, Jay Miller, Jay and Annette Miller? Jay told this, this joke. He, was, he, was, he worked for the county, and he said there were these three or two guys in a pickup truck. This lady was sitting at her window. Uh, she lived off the highway, and she's looking out her window, and she sees these two guys in a pickup truck. And the pickup truck has uh, a bunch of little trees in the back of the truck. And they'd drive a little ways, and they'd stop, and the first guy would get out, and he'd take a shovel, and he'd dig a hole. And then he'd go in, and he'd sit in the pickup, and they'd wait about 10 minutes. Then the second guy would get out, and he'd fill in his hole. And then they'd drive about 15 feet down the road, and the first guy would get out and dig a hole. And he'd get back in the pickup and, and drive about, you know, or, or wait about five, 10 minutes. The second guy would get out and he'd fill in the hole. And, and at about lunchtime, they took a break and the lady walks out and says, what's going on? They said, well, the guy whose job to plant the tree didn't show up today. <laughs> but they were doing their job. It didn't matter. The tree wasn't getting planted because they were doing their job. You know, it's a funny joke for the county. Hopefully no county guys come and beat me up. Jim isn't here today, so I got that made. <laughs> but... But, but it's not funny in ministry. And we can, if we're not careful, have our little niche where I'm doing my little piece of work for Jesus Christ, and because I'm doing my part, uh, I'm not worried about everything else out there, when Jesus actually wants us to have the bigger picture of this all. We are to see the harvest is huge and the laborers are few. Uh, that, is, that is what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, it's not, it would be a really good question to, to ask yourself, what is not being done while I do this thing that I am doing? Now, I don't want to say anybody needs to do everything, and I don't want anyone to overcommit, and I'm actually not even asking for that, because the application for this, once again, is pray, but uh, it does get a little bit more personal in that some way at times. We need to be aware that there is more work to do than is being done. And, and e really, the, only, the easy way to figure out that there's more work to do than is being done is start doing some work. Because the job that doesn't look hard when you're not doing it <laughs> or that doesn't look overwhelming when you're not doing it can easily become overwhelming once you start doing it. Uh, and, and I don't want to overstate this uh, because I don't want anyone to feel wrong about the ministry you're doing or, or think that the part you're doing is, is too small or that you need to be busy somewhere else. If you are, think, oh no, there's so much work over there to do and you abandon what you're doing here to do that, imagine if we all were busy moving on to the next ministry. <laughs> you know, then nobody would be doing the ministry where we are. Always where we are is the first place we are to serve. And what we can do is, is the first thing to do. So it's, it's a call for, for wisdom, not a knee-jerk reaction to do something else. But Jesus is asking us to see the bigger picture. See the bigger picture of what is going on. You know, because there is the employee who learns his job and does his job. And then there is the employee who learns his job and sees how that job fits into the greater picture of what the employer is trying to accomplish. 
Okay, that employer who sees the bigger thing comes along and says, hey, you know what, if we did this, we could be more efficient. And the employer, the employee says that, the employer goes, that's a good idea. And the employer starts looking at that employee as someone who he might, guess what, ask more of. And at that point you go, no, don't want to be that guy. Don't, make, don't rock the boat. I'm happy where I am. But that's the person who not only gets asked more of, but is given more to. And, and God, look, God, God works the same way an employer does. Uh, he says, what's he say? He says, seek ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. <laughs> right? The, go check in with your boss. You know, boss, we need more workers. That, that's what this is all about, is, is checking in with the boss and saying that much. Uh, the trustees. Right? Trustees uh, are, are, are up here, and what do they do when they, when they step over here and they've got the, they're, they're ready to take the offering? What are they holding in their hands? Clipboards. clipboards yeah, <laughs> clipboards. And before they ever start, start talking about the offering, they say, okay, we have two clipboards this week. This one's for mowing, and this one's for church cleaning. And the one for church cleaning is broken down into sanctuary, classrooms, bathrooms, kitchen. Is that right? Uh, and, and, and they're looking for people to do those things. So you say, you know what? I've never run a zero-radius lawnmower, riding lawnmower before. That sounds like fun. So you go out and you mow the lawn because it sounds like fun. Which, by the way, it does not sound like fun to me. <laughs> I'm a jinx on that lawnmower. I break it. I, don't, I always have to send the trustees a note. This isn't working. I did this. I don't know what's going on. And I think they say, Steve, stop signing up. <laughs> but, but, but it is still kind of fun to get out there. And, and, and I read the, something on it. It says, this works best run at full, full throttle. <laughs> that does make it sound fun, doesn't it? Okay. But, but uh, we have trees. They get in the way. Anyway, so, so you're mowing the lawn, right? And, and, and your job is to mow. And the reason you mow, but, but, but as you're mowing, right, you think, why am I mowing? Well, I'm not mowing just because I get to ride a zero-radius lawnmower, but it makes the church look nicer, right? And then you think, uh, the church looks nicer. That makes the church more appealing to visitors. It keeps the church from looking bad to other people. This has a positive effect on the church. You realize, I'm not just mowing because I get to mow. I'm serving Christ. And what you're doing is you're starting to think more like someone who cares about the job than someone who just does the job. And next thing you know, you are a trustee <laughs> uh, because, because you have seen that. And after mowing, by the way, I, 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 put this, I wrote this down. I laughed at myself because I mowed a week ago. And, and as I'm mowing, I saw this dead branch on one of the trees. It was down low, and I said, I've got to come back after I'm done with the chainsaw and take that branch down. Okay, it's still there because by the time I get home, I don't remember the branch until I'm working on the sermon and I go, oh yeah, I need to, after the sermon, go get that chainsaw. <laughs> and, and like I said, it's still there. But because you care, right, you say my job is to mow, but I'm a working on a bigger job, therefore you go back and you get the chainsaw and you take that dead branch down. Or, or a handsaw, that's, you know, whatever it is, you take the dead branch down because you care, because you're doing more, because you have become invested in the ministry. You're not just doing a job as in doing a chore, but you are serving Christ by what you do. You're seeing the bigger job. You agree with not just what you're doing, but with the purpose of why you're doing it. And you have climbed the ladder of ministry without even trying to, simply because you care. Your heart is in what you do. And something as small as mowing the lawn is ministry. It is, it is beneficial to the body of Christ. 
and, and you can go, you can, you can say, okay, that's pretty easy ministry. Well, yeah, some ministry is, is easy. Some ministry is fun. Some ministry, it's a hot day, and it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be. Uh, but, but you agree. You're not just doing your job. You're seeing the bigger picture. When you look at the bigger picture, you realize there is a lot to do, and the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few, right? Uh, see, see if you can figure out what I did here, okay? Adoption ministry, Bible distribution, camping, devotional ministry, evangelism, financial training, gospel missions, hospitality, inner city ministry, jail ministry, kitchen ministry, literacy, missions, neighborhood outreach, Operation Christmas Child, uh, parenting classes, quilting. You didn't think I was going to have a cue, did you? <laughs> That's uh, the ABCs of ministry here. Okay, uh, reconciliation, singing, translation, unborn, vocational training, women's ministry, expectant mothers, <laughs> youth ministry, and Zionism. <laughs> okay, ABCs of ministry. And how many of those? You know, I admit uh, Q and R, Q and Q and and. Uh, uh, what was it? Z were a little bit tough. For some reason, I was stuck on N. I thought N should be easy. But so many of them, I'm going, which A do I use? Which B do I use? Which, you know, there, there's so many ministries out there, so many. And when you start looking, you go, wow, there's a lot to be done. I mentioned the other day talking about the ministry fair, which we may change the dates on, but, but it's coming up, that we have 14 ministries on the list that we're involved in. Who do we think we are that we think we're doing that many things? And yet, if we look at what is out there, we realize we're not scratching the surface of the ministry that's out there. When I say ministry, I mean ministry needs. Needs for ministry to be done. There's so much. Or we could look at the countries of the world. You know, and start with Albania, Bulgaria, Canada, <laughs> Denmark. You know, we could, we could do it that way. Uh, we could look at uh, cults. We could look at political issues. You know, the, the, the areas of diversity of needs out in our world of ways to serve Jesus Christ are, are, are just, there's an enormous amount. And one of the reasons we don't look too much is because it becomes oppressive. If we go, Lord, there's too much. Who am I, Lord? I'm small. I, I'm small. I'm doing what I can. And, and, and the harvest illustration is so appropriate. Amber waves of grain. Somebody posted on Facebook. I saw a picture of, of like nine combines from 40 years ago and two combines of today and how the two combines have a bigger cut uh, swath than the, than the nine of before. The numbers may be wrong, but you get the idea. You know, harvest today doesn't actually require the kind of manpower that it did uh, in the old days. But, but picture today uh, 12 guys out with sickles <laughs> looking at 1,000 acres, right? What, what is their thought? If I worked day and night till I ran myself into the ground, I could not get this harvest in before it's ruined. We need more workers. And suppose one guy says, you know what, I'm going to work twice as hard. So I can bring in twice as much. Well, then he's done the benefit of bringing in one more worker and works himself into the ground twice as fast because you can only do so much. You're a human being. He says, pray, see the mount out there. Therefore, uh, and I'm actually going to my next point. I didn't think I meant to do that. <laughs> uh, pray, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send out more workers. So, so ask for more workers. Your desire is for effective ministry. You know, there's an old saying, and you probably are familiar with it, that if it's God's ministry, it's his responsibility to provide for that ministry. If God calls you to uh, adoption ministry, 
It is his responsibility to provide whatever you need for adoption ministry. If God, you know, it's, it, Bruce Morak is a classic example of that. Uh, he, he, he is, you know, in missions and he does a lot of different things as a missionary. But, but he has said on more than one occasion, I've heard this come out of his mouth, I have an unlimited expense account. What's he saying? He says, if God wants me to do it, God will provide what is needed to do what he wants me to do. Right? Doesn't mean we go out and start being foolish and irresponsible with money, but we, we work with what God provides and we trust God to provide what we need to do what He's given us. Ask your boss to give you what you need to do the job He's given you to do. Right? It's that simple. If it's your job to bring in the harvest and the job is more than you can do, then ask for more workers. That's not rocket science. That's just taking what applies in normal life and applying it to ministry, you go to the boss and say, we need more people to do this job. We need the copy machine fixed. We need the plumbing fixed. We need, you know, the combine fixed. We need, or the tractor. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, we, we need more. Whatever ministry in, you're involved in, that's when you see, when you are involved in a ministry, that's when you see we need more people to do the ministry. Who is it that thinks we need more workers at Awana? Okay, raising your hand saying me, workers at Awana. <laughs> people who are working in Awana say, whoa, we need more workers in Awana, right? People who work in Sunday school say we need more people in Sunday school. Uh, I think the worship team's doing pretty good, but what do you guys say? Okay, they got it covered because, I'm sorry, worship team is fun. <laughs> it, it is, but, but I know it's a lot of work too. So uh, anyway, when you're involved in a ministry, you become aware of the needs in that ministry, and very often you become aware that the needs are greater than the resources we currently see. And so, and so it's, it's like, do we believe God is able to meet the needs that we have? Well, yeah, then ask him. Hey, boss. Ask the Lord of the harvest, right? I'm most irreverently saying boss, right? But that's what it's saying. Just put a capital B on boss, uh, and you got it. Uh, you have to, have to do this. Uh, if you want, want to be in, uh, get it effective, you ask for more. But there's things you should know before you ask, right? I'm, I'm going to give you, guess how many warnings? <laughs> Three, because I think like a preacher. Number one, you have to care. Jesus started all this out with, they are sheep without a shepherd. This heart-touching illustration of the lostness of the people out there. A phrase designed to make us care, to stir up our emotions. Uh, he did that on purpose. Before he said, ask for more workers, he said, see the need. And before he said, see the need, he said, see the lost sheep. This isn't something you pray for out of duty. You can pray out of duty. Uh, you know, if, if, you, if you can't make yourself pray out of, out of caring, then pray out of duty, but pray out of duty that you start to care. Okay? Uh, and God will, will answer that prayer. You, you, the, fir the first thing you know before, before you start asking God to send out more workers into the harvest field is you have to care about the job. You have to care about the work that's being done. Second thing is you have to be serving. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. Jesus was speaking to those he was sending into the field, and he says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send out more workers. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to be serving. People who are in the fields doing the work, seeing the need, are qualified to ask for more workers. People who are spectators and watching the job saying, boy, they could sure use another guy, really are not qualified. They, they, would, they are more fans than, 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 uh, than team. And God is looking for people who are, are involved. Uh, 
spectators are just, just, just fans from the sidelines and their opinion doesn't matter a whole lot. The coach is not sitting in the game listening for what the fans are yelling and saying, oh yeah, I'll do that, right? But he might listen to his teammates or his, his team who are out there playing and say, coach, I, I need a break or coach, we need, we need a bigger center <laughs> you know, or, or whatever it is they're saying they need. So, so first you have to care, second you have to be serving, and third you, might, you have to be prepared that God might just use you as the answer to your own question. And I think everybody probably saw this coming. Everybody who has been involved in ministry saw this coming. If you haven't been involved in ministry, maybe you didn't know. Because God might just ask you to do more. You know, Frank Montecucco, my, my boss at the greenhouse, asked me to do more. And I ran the other way. I said, no, I have a better idea. I quit, you know, because I was not interested in, actually, I broke my leg. But uh, same effect. I didn't go back when I was done. Uh, he, he may ask you to do more. He may ask you to go, right? Here's, here's worse than going. He may ask you to lead, right? Uh, God is like an employer who, when he sees a good worker, promotes him to positions of greater responsibility. That happens in every job. It happens with God. And he takes that guy who is faithful with two talents, and he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with two talents. Let me give you two more, right? And he takes and he rewards his faithful workers with more work. You know, well, I don't know if I want that reward. You know, you might be surprised. If God chooses to give you that reward, then you can handle it. And you can do it, and it will bless you. And, and, and if you can't, he won't give you that. He won't ask you to do that. Uh, God is like that. Unfortunately, not many of us actually want more responsibility in God's kingdom. We say, no, I don't want more. I'm really happy with how much I'm doing now. Let's go back to point one. You have to care. <laughs> right? Uh, and, and, and if God asks you, and, and you know, again, this, asks for, this calls for wisdom. It's, um, uh, this is not to, to browbeat or shame anybody into anything, but it's to, to ask you to pray and find out. If he asks, you have to decide how you're going to respond. Because it's not at all unusual for God to use you to meet the need that you see. Chances are, if you see that need, he has revealed it to you. Now, if what you see is you're working in Awana and you need more Awana workers, he hasn't called you to be more Awana workers, right? And so, so you don't have to worry about that. But you are demonstrating the heart and the vision for the ministry that he does want to see. And that's not unusual. So what has God placed on your heart? What, what is it? Are you already aware of or thinking about a need that's not being met? A ministry that is stretched too thin? People who are not being reached, right? Are, are, is there something that right now you say, you know, I am frustrated because we are not doing this. We is an interesting word <laughs> because it's you and me, I. Grammatically correct, you and? You and I. You and I. Okay, thank you. It's not us. <laughs> I mean, it is. A, you, you, are part of, you are part of we. Uh, maybe there's something you see being done, and it just grinds you. It, 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 it's being, it's, you know it could be done well, and it's being done, but you know it could be done well. <laughs> Please don't push me out of the way right now. The fields... The fields are white with harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and wait and see how he answers the need. Let's close in prayer.
Lord Jesus, I, I, I ask in, in the most respectful way that, that you as our boss see the needs that we have. Father, Lord Jesus, as we seek to accomplish your job, provide the means to meet those needs. We ask that when you return, you find us faithfully serving you, doing what you want, not limiting it by what we're willing to do. Obedient servants, reaching the harvest. We pray in Jesus' name.